Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Don't know if you heard, Paul, but now we're master mechanics. We're master mechanics. We're, we're master mechanics. I don't need to be trained in Stuttgart no. for Porsche or Mercedes. I can just do it. Just give no, me a wrench. I, I, can, I can break stuff. 17-inch socket. Seven, sorry, millimeter socket. I'm good. 17-inch <laughs> socket. 17-millimeter socket. Yeah, right. Take the entire wheel off. It's going to be fantastic. Right. You may have seen, actually, you probably did because you guys posted great questions. Welcome back to the podcast. You saw that we actually not only released our first video on these cheap sports cars, but we then promptly found a friend with a lift and put him in a garage and wrenched on things, which is not what we should be doing with our time. But but at the same time, we still had fun. We did uh, brand new brakes all around your car and mine with Power yeah. Stop brakes, and they're awesome. Indeed. Yeah, huge thanks to Power Stop brakes. And we're excited to announce a partnership with these guys. They've yeah, been very awesome cool. to us already. Mm-hmm. They have sent these brake kits Full kits includes the clips. It includes all the sensors, everything in the kits. And so before our road trip that we've got coming up, they wanted to get the brakes on the car. And Mm -hmm. so we did. And so the cars are all set. We've gotten oil changes done. What else? Uh, I got new tires on the SLK. I did suspension. Bald. Because uh, your yeah. tires were done, but mine were great. My yep. suspension was done, and yours seems okay. So it was yeah. like a trade-off in that regard. Yeah, so. just prepping these thing, these things for uh, you know some miles. The second it's video coming in a few weeks is the fix-it video. The, okay, now that we got them home, because you saw the first video, hopefully, that was on our main YouTube channel. And that was just the we bought them, what have we done video, if you will. And the next video coming is the, okay, so what's broken? And what are we fixing? And yeah, what's still broken? Yeah. Because we're not going to fix everything because they are cheap cars. And then we're going to go to road trip. There's so much fun stuff coming with those. And that has nothing to do with the fact that we're shooting season eight. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I get a different thought each time I drive the SLK now. I get another oh, that's cool. thought in my head of, I like it. I need to say this about okay, this good. car. Well, it we're going to have them a while. People need to know this about it. It's just, it's interesting. I'm excited we've got these two cars mm-hmm. because, you know, would I own an SLK? I, I don't know. Probably not. I'm yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Boxster Cayman guy, but I'm just excited that it's the unknown. It's a bit of a unicorn. It's a totally. manual. It's wow. I forgot about that car kind of thing. And we're spending time with both these cars. Mm-hmm. I haven't spent very much time with a Z4 at all. I mean, a little bit with yeah. that Z4M, a little uh, bit, but and, not and just I'm, the. I'm right there with you on your SLK. It's pretty much new to me, and you're still discovering it. So we're very excited to start trading these cars off just among each other and also on camera. And as I said in that uh, piece you've already seen, the first piece we did. Left to our own devices, if you and I were each given $7,500 and said, go buy a sports car, these are not the cars we would have bought, which is kind of why I'm glad we did. Exactly. I would have bought a Miata. You would have bought a Boxster. We both would have been very happy. And those cars, in many ways, are already known. Yeah, it's that foregone conclusion thing. And again, running through all the choices we could have looked at, from C4 Corvettes to A70 Supras to all the Z cars, Mm -hmm. I just think these are interesting. Even though they're not the cars we would have owned – they're interesting because they're not. Yeah, it, it was stuff where you and I are having that new experience that we talk about so much yeah. on this podcast. I'm so excited that we're doing that. I'm thrilled to have a straight six six speed BMW in my life. I, I that's because the thing is cool. that's one of those cars. The one M is a great example. Yeah, I love yeah. the one M. Sure, sure, it's a it's a BMW greatest hits car. I like the Z4 M Coupe, the Coupe mm-hmm. version that, with the M parts that of the car that I had. I like both of those a lot, but they'd be like my second or third choice at their price point. Sure. So to have where right. it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go for the BMW. I'm going to have that experience. I'm, I'm quite excited. I nice. really am. Nice. When your car needs new brakes, and it will, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance for something you already need. 
PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation, from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes. That includes the pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need new brakes or simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. Todd and I even found great kits for our SUVs and cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. We've got a cool topic Tuesday here from Mackie in Salt Lake City, Utah, as a matter of fact. Yeah. The question here has to do about the future of cars. Mm -hmm. In particular, internal combustion engine cars, ice cars. Nake is in his early 20s, feels like he was born right in time to witness and experience one, if not the greatest eras of cars. And he says this because of how advanced and capable and reliable and powerful and safe cars are right now. Talking about brand new cars, but mm-hmm. you can go back you know, a few decades. Sure, for sure, for sure. But at the same time, Mackey also feels like he was born at the worst possible time to experience and witness this great era of cars. And this is for a number of reasons. First of all, being the governments and car companies are trying to phase out internal combustion engines and switch over to electric cars. And, you know, we're seeing that throughout. We're seeing a mix. While I don't mind EVs too much, he says, I just don't see them as interesting or really having soul or character, Mm -hmm. sort of like driving Mm -hmm. an iPhone you don't plan on keeping. Do any of us plan on keeping iPhones? As a matter of fact, I have a rant about the Apple Watch. The, okay. the new Apple Watch comes out, and I think that's going to hit the garbage. It's yeah. crazy yeah. being, you know, coming from design standpoint, thinking the beautiful thing that you design that you're putting all your effort and heart and soul sure, into sure, sure. Yeah. is going to end up in the landfill mm-hmm. at some mm-hmm. point, whether in a few years or decades from now. Unless people take care of it, and it's you know long-lasting. That's why I did like furniture so much. Mm-hmm. Furniture is around. timeless, yeah. and well, it's not timeless in, as far as style. Comparatively, but though, yeah. From a build quality, you can have furniture forever. How many of us have furniture in our lives that we got from our parents or totally. grandparents? Mm-hmm. A piece that got handed down, and you think, "Yep, I can't get rid of that piece." And so then you had to match every bit of other furniture in your house to that <laughs> thing. We didn't go spend sixty thousand dollars on furniture for our and just you know. Do the whole house. Do your house, yeah. Nobody can do that. Yeah. You just have this piecemeal kind of thing. But I, I do take your point. So about the iPhone, Mackie, he says another reason he feels this way, because it'll be a good while before he'll be able to afford any of the cars that he loves and gets mm. to enjoy them, especially Porsches. He's a Porsche fanatic. I'm right okay. there with you. All right. You're Who a Porsche knows? fanatic? That's weird. I, 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 I have no idea. super freak. Who knows if he'll even be able to enjoy or own them based on how much regulation and the industry is trying to phase out internal combustion engine cars. Mm. So the topic Tuesday question here for us is, what do you think the future holds for all us car enthusiasts and the younger enthusiasts that want to own some of these incredible cars from today, right mm-hmm. now? Yeah. All the cars that you see, all the non-crazy you know, cars that you see on Instagram. Or, yeah. But But – but the point is, if you think about the fact that we are just here at the dawn of mass-produced electric cars, mm-hmm. and you and then you ignore all the electric cars and look at what's going on in gasoline cars right now, we are in quite a pinnacle Absolutely. of safety and capability and tech. They are they're, We're at an unbelievable peak of all of that stuff. I so agree. it is a fascinating time. I love this question. I agree. Mackie says, well, we have to wait a decade or two to even own them. And lastly, do we think EVs will become collectible? or classics, or desirable for enthusiasts? Mm. And do you see car enthusiasm dying out due to electric vehicles? 
That's a tough call. I mean, you're asking us to do a little bit of crystal ball thinking there's, here. There's a lot of stuff here, And we for can sure, certainly yeah. spill, speak to right now as far as what's going on in the industry. And, Todd, you've hit on a, you know, a few things about this is the peak. Mackie, you've, you've really talked mm-hmm. about it. And it's just it's interesting about the switchover and what car companies are doing. And you can almost tell where they're putting their investment dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, driving actually the new Cadillac CT4. That's a test drive video coming soon. It is, yeah. But it's interesting to think – you know, here's what the car company is trying to reinvent itself to to be from a marketing mm-hmm, perspective. Mm-hmm. But yet, they've still got to sell product now to remain relevant and profitable. Yeah, yeah. Ideally, it's that the dichotomy is very strange. But Mackie, I think you're talking about McLarens and Porsches and you know the really super hot stuff yeah. that is really desirable. And I get that absolutely. But you know, you look around at the construction going on at all the you know the backhoes and diggers and earth moving equipment and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. It's going to be around for quite a while. I don't see electric power taking over just construction to dig a hole, build a building, build a house, well, whatever that is. So diesel trucks moving things around despite what's going on with the Tesla truck. But then here's Nikola kind of struggling. Mm-hmm. And we're not sure now. Are electric class eight semis mm-hmm. going to be able to deliver cars from factories now? It seems like it, but... <laughs> The reality between what car companies and, and companies are trying to propose versus when it's actually a thing, there's a huge gulf. Big time. You're touching on a tip of a massive iceberg here, and I know this quickly is going to get into – it could quickly get into politics and what you believe in that kind of stuff. And I'm going to try to avoid all of that because we try to avoid that here anyway. Right, right. But I want to speak to something key that never gets brought up in the general consensus of media. And we joke about this a lot of times. When you have the non-car people in your life that ask you car questions, it's because mm-hmm. those are the things that the general media is covering in cars. Mm-hmm. And pretty much the only thing the general media is covering in cars at any time right now is electric cars are awesome and they're coming. And anything yeah. that's not that isn't getting covered. Now, depending upon which part of the market you want to talk about, we're talking about about 5% of vehicles right now. And that, I think that's a little generous too. And here's the crazy thing that no one discusses. No one discusses it. The chemicals, the minerals, whatever you want to refer to it, that are used to make the batteries. Yes, the raw materials used to make the batteries. Those are every bit as limited a commodity or more so than the petroleum we use to run gas cars. Mm -hmm. So I'm not looking at, at environmental impact at all. I'm just talking about you're talking about two limited commodities. And right now today, 2020, when we're doing this podcast, at 5% of the total car market, the raw materials available to make batteries are already being pushed. Right, right. Because they've also got to be batteries for your, your phone and all the electrical stuff in your house and your computer and your uh, Apple Watch and all of that's got to have the same battery material. So where is more of that raw material going to come from to allow us to even have 25% of the market be electric cars? Mm-hmm. The impression here is that we're all going to go electric. And then you have, you know, Gavin Newsom writes this thing about we're going to make it a requirement in California. We'll see what actually comes of that. Right, right. But many European, I mean, France has talked about it. Other major metropolitan areas have talked about electric cars only. And all of those situations may be great. And I think there's a lot of value in electric commuter cars. I think there's huge value in that. But we haven't solved the availability problem of the materials to make enough batteries. I'm not Indeed. talking about Indeed. the grid or any of that. Yeah. Just the batteries yeah. hasn't been solved. And nobody talks about it. 
And, you know, like we've talked about before is the instantaneous fill up when you fill your car with gas. True. true. That availability of energy right now. You've got it right mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. at the same performance level you did when you rolled into the gas station. Mm-hmm. It's not like you were down on power because you had a mm-hmm, little bit mm-hmm. of fuel left in your tank. No, the car had the same amount of power. It did the same thing. It just needed more of that. And so you fill up and you're, you know, back running at the same yeah, performance yeah, yeah. level. And I know there's a lot of car companies that are, well, transportation, reimagining the future of transportation uh-huh. kinds of companies trying to mitigate that loss when you're at say 2% battery power, mm-hmm. does the car rob you of performance Limp or does mode, it rob yeah. the battery of energy to continue to give you the same amount of performance? And that mm-hmm. is a big deal what, what uh, car companies are looking at. Ultimately, what I love is the push. I love that companies are exploring this. I mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. other people's huge dollars are being spent on trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. I'm all for tech. I'm all for pushing on this. And yeah, let's let's see what's possible. But to continue to think, well, it's, it's just going to be here tomorrow. I, you know, internal combustion engine cars aren't going to be around anymore. I think that's a huge misnomer. I now, agree. I agree. I think I, they're going to be around a long time. And I think there's yeah, going to be yeah. a gradual shift. And I think there's going to be side-by-side usage, possibly for all of our lifetimes. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I think it's potential that all of our lifetimes. I agree. These yeah. Gasoline cars will continue alongside electrics. And what you'll end up with, you'll end up with geofenced areas, if you will, sections where this is an electric-only section, mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. section isn't. And this section is both. These lanes are electric and these lanes are gas cars and, and benefits and pros and cons to both. I think they're going to continue alongside each other for as long as can be kind of projected right now. I agree. And you know, you think about all the people who have invested their lives in – the knowledge to restore and rebuild and repair cars to keep mm-hmm. old cars on the road. There yeah, yeah. actually is a lot of that. And it's not just at a high show car mm-hmm. auction level. It's just sure. keep the old thing running just because it's still great. Mm-hmm. And there's really no reason to crush that car unless it's gotten in an accident or you mm-hmm. can't find parts or whatever, but there's not a lot of reason to crush that old thing. Keep, keep driving it. If it can work mm-hmm. and you know, you can keep investing in it. So why is my brother-in-law continuing to invest in old sobs? <laughs> Lots of theories are going on as to why. I don't think any of them are about it's sanity. It's fascinating. There's an incredible sob community mm-hmm. of people with all this knowledge who dig into the repair manuals. There's parts availability, and there's this community. That's just old sobs because the new ones that are, I mm-hmm. think, late 80s and, and newer, those aren't real sobs because of GM. <laughs> those aren't the real sobs. But the, the good ones. The old stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're actually really well built and engineered. I'm shocked to find this mm-hmm. out and thinking, all right, great. The thing's still running. And his mindset is, I paid 1500 bucks for this. If it just goes, you know, done, it Grenades quits, itself. Yeah, yeah. I'll just go get another one. 1500 bucks. The thing is surviving. Yeah. It's more than 30 years old and... Oh, my gosh. I think if you like current cars, there will be a place for you continuing to like current cars. And what I'll be curious to see is what happens to the market for these cars. Because I wonder if we really do have, if we really do see a large EV shift. And again, where's the battery material come from? But if we see a large EV shift, I think there will be these cars that start to be 
really lionized earlier. Right now, we've joked about the fact that it's about a 30 to 40-year 40, 40 swath. Mm-hmm. If you just go back 30 to 40 years, those are the cars that are the ones that are shooting up in auction prices. You can see it happening right now as the cars from the 70s, 60s and 70s are dropping mm-hmm. and the cars from the 80s and 90s are rising. You're yeah. seeing that 40-year swath is moving through time. Okay? Thank you, Bradwood. It's, it's crazy. It's yeah. very funny. But I actually wonder about this. I wonder if 25 years from now, the cars from right now with gasoline motors, there's going to be a culture for that like there is right now for muscle cars. Yes, there will be. Absolutely. And the EVs will be the tuner culture of the time. Could very well be. The guys that – because think about right now. You go to a car show right now. You've got here's the muscle car guys over here and here's the tuner guys over here. Yeah. And there may be some cross-pollination, but generally I like my big muscle. I respect the JDM stuff, but I like my big muscle and vice versa. I think we'll see car shows like that where you've got the EVs that are all, you know, I've, I've put, plugged in my laptop and I made my EV do fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what it does, okay? Mm-hmm. And over here, I've got my Hellcat. Yeah. yeah. You know, that about, you do know this is a 25-year-old Hellcat, but it still runs. Mine's now doing 1,000 horsepower. And the EV guy's like, well, I've got 2,000 horsepower for my little box. But that, you know what, that, that Hellcat sounds great. I think that's going to exist at car shows. I definitely do. You know, I've been thinking lately, weirdly enough, about data. And all the photo storage and personal data storage that we've got of cloud data. This is a pretty new thing as far as in our lifetimes. When you pass away and pass on, what happens to that data? Mm. Is there going to be an increased sort of focus on willing your data Mm. to your heirs? Mm. Because... I'll guarantee you, my dad, my parents never had volumes of data and volumes of digital photos and all that kind of stuff. So I do. I've got terabytes of data. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's my data. I I don't want to, you know, let it go. It's it's mine. But what what happens to that in the future? Mm. So now let's paint the picture of all the data that's available about cars. Okay. That never happened in the 50s and 60s and You're 70s. Right. You're right. There's so many how-to-fix mm-hmm. YouTube videos and forums of mm-hmm. tribal knowledge about sobs and every other You're right. Car. You're right. This exists more in perpetuity than it ever has. Mm-hmm. So now that's good news because all this means is in the future, if you have some obscure thing, I guarantee you'll be able to find data, a video, a fix-it, a bulletin, mm-hmm. a PDF, a repair right. manual on right. how to fix or replace the thing. And what if, let's take it further, the advent of additive manufacturing, yeah, let's just 3D print the new part. Print a new one, yeah. yeah because, yeah. well, that supplier is out of business and they no longer make part X and that's the part that but I here's needed. the file. Yeah. Now I can print it at my house. And so future mechanics to keep it all alive. There's more data on the planet than there ever has been. It's a great point. Including cars. It's more preserved. Cars are more preserved than they ever have Mm -hmm. been Mm -hmm. because of the knowledge that is passed along. People just sharing. What do you do when you want to just change your turn signal bulb because it burned Mm -hmm. out? I got to take it to the dealer. If you own a Maserati, it tells you to. Yes. And you might. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're adjust gonna, your vent, you should take it to the dealer. You're going to yeah. do a quick search on YouTube, and I guarantee you, you'll find three or more videos on how to change the bulb on Absolutely. your car. Absolutely. Your specific car. That's yep. just the bulb. Mm-hmm. The reams of data, mm-hmm. all this stuff. So you're starting to get my point. That didn't happen mm-hmm. with you know, earlier cars. It was some dusty old printed shop manual, and once it's out of existence... 
sorry, I don't know, but then those got digitized. Mm -hmm. We have data. We've got so much data at our fingertips, which means I think the cars now are going to be far more preserved than even old cars are now. And old cars are really preserved. It's a great point. You even touched on something that we talked about while we were doing these breaks all around on both our cheap sports cars is while we didn't look at manuals, it was, you know, we kind of understood what we needed to do. Right. We talked about the fact that if we ever got the tiniest bit lost, it was just a YouTube search. We could watch the exact brake set being done. Oh, 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 I didn't do that. Oh, that bolt. Yep. Well, oh, oh, look, it tells me what size socket to use. I mean, there's so much detail. I think about this is random, but I think about the World War II aircraft. Okay. Invariably, you'll see a few World War II aircraft that are preserved Mm -hmm. that fly at your local air show. Those are pretty rare. They're They're very rare. Sometimes you're talking one model. You're talking about tribal knowledge. There aren't even, in some cases, good manuals for some of those things, let alone parts. And so I don't think we'll have that problem because there is so much data. And and you're right, the 3D printing parts, they haven't even thought about that. Yeah. How do you how do you convince this is the problem that those old warbirds have yeah. is they are being kept running, which I find fascinating. I'm completely fascinated <laughs> by amazing. it. You can hear them coming. They sound like nothing else. Those big rotary motors. Is, are, sorry. I'm geeking out on planes. They're but, so cool. But most of the guys that preserve those are old guys now. Uh-huh. How do you get new guys in the group? Right. You know, which is really right. hard because now it's it's got to be a passed down knowledge thing. But you're right. We're preserving a whole level of knowledge now that – you can just go look it up. And this is not just cars. There's a level of knowledge yeah. preserved about name a subject on mm-hmm. the planet. You're right. And you're you right. can go find from how to bake this or anything. But it's really encouraging to me. I say all this because it's super encouraging to me. And it just kind of makes me happy that cars are being preserved now and all the knowledge that everybody finds out. What do you want to do with knowledge? I Hopefully it's not just beat your neighbor over the head with, I know this and you don't. But that happens when yeah. people ask you, oh, you've got that car. I've got that too. Can you help me out? What do most people want to do? They want to help and share their knowledge mm-hmm. because guess what? That keeps the car community alive. It keeps yeah. their car running and you might know something they don't and it keeps us all in, you know, our cars in good health. That's amazing. I wonder if there'll be a flip that happens because right now, any of you listening, how many of you listening have a friend that owns a Tesla? Okay. Because if you do, I bet you there's a 75% chance that friend has said to you, do you want to go for a ride? Oh, and once absolutely. you got in that Tesla, what do they do? They showed you the acceleration. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's going to be a flip that happens here. Because there's a question. He's asking a question here as well about what, what about the future of car enthusiasts? How do we get people into car enthusiasm? I wonder if there'll be a thing where if everybody's traveling in pods, if the – Internal combustion engine cars with the big growly V8s and the stick shifts and these kind of things. I wonder if there'll be a novelty to that, that it'll switch over and be like, let me take you for a ride. Mm -hmm. All you've ridden in has been autonomous pods. Come get in this thing. Come, yeah. come let me experience that. Yeah. I've, I've had that experience with the Lotus because it is tiny and stick shift. And people are like, what is that thing? I'm like, come on, let's go. You know? <laughs> and you have to stick the key in. Why don't you just push the button? Totally. It totally just, true. Why is there a key that sticks in what? So I, I do think there'll be a, a level of fascination because it is the unknown. And I think that'll be the entrance. It doesn't feel like that right now. But I think there'll be a, oh, you've never ridden one of these? Come on. Come on, let's ride one of these. It'll be, mm-hmm. I want to have an experience out of my little bubble. And in some cases, there'll be a literal bubble car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to have a new experience. And that's what leads us to do, you know, try out cars. And some people will get hooked. Mm-hmm, in this, mm-hmm. it, this is really random. In the same way that we probably all have a friend who doesn't have a smartphone. And they have yeah. a reason for that. Yeah. They have specifically chosen to not have a smartphone. 
and maybe they only have that 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 dumb phone, if you will, when they do certain tasks, and they have a smartphone for the rest of their life. It it'll be people finding that I need this experience, I need this difference from the rest of my life, and that's where cars and car love for the, if you will, old cars yeah. will survive. Right, the cars that we have now, the modern cars. Mackie, I I say all this, and I'm thinking it through with you here because. I'm encouraged. I'm tremendously encouraged because imagine early cars. Yeah, the reason the second car was ever built was to be faster than the first one. Mm -hmm. Yes, and people and mechanics were hot-rodding their cars, their creations early on to – they're discovering speed, discovering things they never knew cars could do. And they're, they're modifying and changing them as they go. That happened early on in the internal combustion era cars the 1910s and the 1920s they had hot rods Mm -hmm. they were pushing on their own car tech to make them faster and better and tweaking that whatever they could think of i hope we get to that point soon with electric cars because it just Mm. seems like right now despite electric torque giving us that straight line speed sure 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 i hope we get past the whole okay we got to build electric cars to sell so you can make money and they're just the people movers can we soon get into the enthusiast hot-rodded electric cars? Because it seemed like after the car itself was invented, it wasn't too many decades later, like one, two, three, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Only a couple, yeah. You know, internal combustion engines were being hot-rodded and pushed on. Can we get to that point soon with That's EVs? Funny. That's funny. How about even sooner? Because we have tech. We have so many more resources than people 100 years ago did. Can we get to the fun stuff, the fun mm-hmm. electric cars now that, okay, Audi, you're selling a zillion electric cars and they're all fine people movers and they're pretty fast and they've got good range and that's great. Where's the R8? Where's yeah. the e-tron? Yeah. Where's the, you know, the, the good e-tron? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The totally. Hot, hotness. When, yeah. When's that coming from all the manufacturers that do tap into car enthusiasm? Because I still believe the car companies that just make the boxes and that kind of stuff, they're always going to look around and think, we need something special. Yeah, I we think you're right. need a special project to right. really yeah, yeah. be the halo car. It's not about sales here, but it's about where are we going with the brand. Toyota's now just done that. They have the Supra and the 86. Mm-hmm. Less than 10 years ago, they didn't sell sports cars. You're right. You're right. They just sold Corollas and Camrys and, uh, and Siennas, whatever. I also do think there will be a more likely level of disposability with electric cars than there are with, with traditional cars. To his phone comment I here. think there will be more of that mm-hmm. because of how ancient tech looks in five-year intervals. Yeah, yeah. And as we know, as we look, look at a first-gen Nissan Leaf. It seems really old. Look at a yeah. first-gen Prius. A first-gen yeah. Prius seems like a dinosaur, but that was a car from the late 90s. You and I recommend cars from the late 90s to people, early 2000s, all the time. Mm-hmm. But a first – when's the last time you saw that weird, odd-shaped sedan that was the first-gen Prius? Mm -hmm. That seems like a dinosaur vehicle when you see one. And it's not that old. Tons of other cars we recommend are about that old. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the cutting edge of tech will always fall away because the cutting edge of tech makes it look old. I think that is a weird thing that traditional cars have where they're a little more timeless. It depends on what they did with the nav screen. But they're a little more timeless than an electric car. Buy the cars. Buy the new cars. Please, please, please. Buy the old cars. Keep that stuff going. Mm-hmm. Keep it alive and learn about cars. It's funny because despite what people might infer, you know, I'm, I'm not too interested in cars. Everybody, pretty much most everybody, let's say 90% of people on the planet have some sort of a relationship with cars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You might not like them, but you still have to use them. 
you might not own a car, but you still get in an Uber or a yeah. Lyft or, or a, a bus or a whatever. Bus, yeah. You know, you still yeah, yeah. use it in some way. So you have a relationship with it at some level. Mm-hmm. Then there's the freaks over here like you and I and everybody listening that, mm-hmm. you know, we're obsessed about the fun and getting that feeling out of it. More cars than we have ability to drive yeah. them. Yes, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I just say, you know, the constant proliferation and the, the more people discover that driving is actually fun mm-hmm. and car companies that realize that and realize that. We can sell cars based on that single premise alone. Shoot, they're selling them just based on the acceleration and pinning your kids to the back seat. Yes, for sure. Why not? Yeah. Why, why not keep this alive? I, I think you have nothing to worry about, about having these cars still be around when you can buy them. Yeah. But at the same time, to you and to everybody else listening, buy them when you can. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll say, look, this cheap car challenge is stretching both you and I in a wonderful way. Yeah, because we're yeah. seeing the merit and honestly, at the core of it, the fun of buying something that's just cheap and detaching and rolling, yourself and from rolling the, the dice uh, on it and just going, yeah. what what life experience can I get out of this thing versus buying the newest best thing ever? And now I'm terrified of it. Yeah, okay. we're having the extreme other experience. So join us. It's going to be crazy. If you've got a Topic Tuesday like Mackie and you want to hear us just kind of sit around, shoot the breeze and do the bar room, bar stool, hang out, you know, debate it up one side and down the other with no real conclusion. Nope. <laughs> because we could sit here and talk about this for yes, we could. hours. Yes, we could. But that's what we love to do. And we love that you guys are listening and sending your questions to TV at gmail.com. Or if you're on the website wondering where that second YouTube channel is, it's the second tab over on the website. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It says YouTube. You then it'll give you a nice choice. You can choose which which uh, website you want to go to. It's the main channel for these cheap cars, mm-hmm. cheap sports car challenge, and all the drive homework is on the second test drive channel. Yep. Send us an email. Love to hear from you guys. We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care since 1990. Griot's is also a family company based in Washington State, and they're dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, Paul learned his crazy certified Paul-owned car care from Griot's. Now is the best time to tune up your car care routine. Foaming requires little to no work, and it also avoids some wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way to wash your ride. Try out the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made right here in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code every day for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. We've got a cool car debate here from Brian writing to us from Florida. I love the headline here. Help me be irresponsible. <laughs> uh, we, you have written to the right podcast. We are here for you, man. Yes, yes, sir. Brian is finally at a point in his life where he can be irresponsible. He needs our help to do it. We are happy to oblige. He has owned a Blazer, a Bronco, an Escort, an Explorer, a Bonneville, a Century, an F-150, and a base model Civic Automatic. Okay. But get this. He's also owned a 1991 RX-7 that he spent more time rebuilding than driving. <laughs> But he grew up around road racing where his father was an amateur driver. I like it. The other drivers loved him for his kind personality, he says, as well as his 
penchant for letting people pass. <laughs> okay. All right. All that to say is he's driven numerous track days in his SCCA race-prepped RX-7, and he is by no means a race car driver, but he says, I could put down a respectable lap time. He went through a period of tracking a sport bike, which helped him develop huh. an appreciation for acceleration that the RX-7 was lacking. Big time, yeah. Now, his dad has since retired from racing, and unfortunately, Brian lives three hours from a road course in Florida. So years later, here we find him himself. He finds himself commuting in a RAV4 that is an amazing car and will do everything well except stir any emotion, interest, or self-respect. It's an appliance. Brian has a perfect appliance, and he respects the fact that it just works and runs and bores him, which is why we're trying to be irresponsible. He and his wife don't have kids yet, but uh, he's he spent – I love this sentence. He spent six months – turning his garage into a nursery for a dream car. <laughs> I had to read that sentence twice because I thought he'd mistyped. <laughs> this is not turning the garage into a nursery for a kid on the way. No, this is turning the garage into a nursery for a car. <laughs> he would like to be able to drive this car on weekends, date nights, and to work on Fridays. Now, they will have to keep the RAV4, but it's de been demoted to the driveway where it certainly belongs. I love that. That's great. I love it. He says he wants to purchase this car that begs to be driven on the flat but slightly curved Florida roads. Now, here's his criteria. He's thought about this for the past two years. He's settled <laughs> on the following checklist. Under $50,000. Rear-wheel drive. Manual transmission. Enough horsepower to make me respect it. Okay. I think you need some sort of addendum to, you know, maybe enough to make you afraid of it a little bit too. I, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A somewhat rare or at least interesting conversation starter. A car that will reasonably maintain its value over time. Mm -hmm. And also something reliable enough that he doesn't have to work on it every other weekend. Sure. He's also six foot three, like Todd and I, 180 pounds, he says, something that will accommodate that. And so here we are. He wants to be irresponsible. $50,000 is a good budget to mm -hmm. go be irresponsible. And that is his max budget. He's like, I've got 50 grand. What can we do? Yeah. <laughs> I I have wrestled with this list. I mm, a 1978 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am is quite ill considered. That's quite irresponsible. That is irresponsible. I also don't think that's a very good choice. But yes, Aston Martins and Mercedes AMG GTs and Vipers mm. are also fairly capricious. Yes, are they cheap enough? So it Some really depends are. on the car yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. Early 90s Ferrari Mondials are also thoughtless. That is a thoughtless choice, right? Once you have to explain to your wife what engine out procedure means, that nursery is not good enough. No, honey, that's not a metaphor for anything. That actually means the engine has to detaches, come unbolts from the vehicle. I got into that conversation randomly with my father in the last week. <laughs> and I think I watched his brain freeze. Really? At the concept of an engine out procedure that had like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars involved. He, he didn't even have a category for where to put that in his mind. I mean, this is kind of commonplace on 70s, 80s, 90s supercars. Yes. You would, you know, unbolt the engine, drop mm -hmm. it out or pull it out from above and sure. do your thing, whatever it needs, and then put it back in the car. Here comes the, bill, the bill comes in volumes. Yes. <laughs> page after page. I, mm, I've been thinking about this. I would love to have a 911 for you, of, of course, but I also want something sort of raw. Okay. Something that roars. Okay, I like it. Something that is just unexpected and makes you sort of hesitate before you get in it and you think, mm, okay. I've got to right. gear up. I've got to bring my A game here to go drive this thing. 
to get okay. the most out of it and right, for it right. to get the most out of me for what I'm wanting to go be irresponsible. Something that can do burnouts easily. Something that just kind of is in your face a little bit. Something All right. that's All right. Uh, it, it brings out a little bit of a different personality in you, Brian. Look at that. Okay. All Something right. like that. And I thought, you know, it's got to be a V8 at this point. A 911 okay. could be great, but it's got to be a V8. It's got to be a front engine kind of muscle car, but I didn't want to go just Hellcat or, you know, something like that. Where'd that you would go? Make you very irresponsible. I also didn't want to go over to flying Miatas and mm, things okay. like that. Right. I think they're, I, I needed to just change your personality a little bit just so you, mm, okay. All right. You, you think about what you're going to wear when you go drive this car, <laughs> whatever that is, wh- how, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. image you want to project. Yeah, you, yeah. you think about, am I wearing the right shoes and, Wearing the right jacket for this hat. Huh. Okay. <laughs> now, where are we going with this? And am I going to try to attack the attention of law enforcement? Am I, am I going to try to test it out? Am I going <laughs> to be a little naughty? Is my wife going to come home angry from this drive? Yeah. Just, I'm wondering. And $50,000, as healthy as it is, I saved you money. Wow. Look at you. Because this does hit all those choices. Okay. I think people know what it is already. I don't, but I'm very I've been talking about these for a while now. Okay, all right. The really nice ones are $30,000. Hmm. The really, really cherry, haven't driven it much, sat in the garage. I think I know where you're going now. Cars. Okay, keep going. It is somewhat rare, and it is a very interesting conversation starter. The more you find out about this car, mm-hmm. the more you're going to want to talk about it. I think I know exactly where you are now. <laughs> Like I said, if you if you have a nice one, it's one of those cars that came with a separate key for the more horsepower. Yes. Unlock the horsepower. It will accommodate your size. It seems typical at first, but then when you let it rip, you're gone, man. <laughs> I it know where feels you're going, modern. it's good. It feels a little bit muscle car with the springs and the, you know, just yeah, yeah, yeah. feel that cable throttle. I'm looking at a C4 Corvette ZR1, baby. The ZR1 makes it very special and unique. That You're thing right. rips. It yeah. roars. Yeah. It can cruise. Mm-hmm. It's a manual. Mm-hmm. It's a V8. You put any aftermarket pipes on that thing, and you're going to have a monster. Lotus-built motor? Yeah. Watch our American original film. We actually cover that in there because it was kind of a surprise entry into the uh, into the pantheon of all the Corvettes that we drove. I, I started to see where you were going. I, you have a, a real soft spot for that car. And you're right. You can save money and get a nice one. Uh, get the best one yeah, you yeah, can yeah. find on the planet, and it'll cost you 30 which means you got money left mm-hmm. over. If something does go wrong and you need to maintain or upgrade – you can't get in this car and, and think it's going to be squeak and rattle free. You can't do that. Mm, yeah. But it's yeah. just got character, loads of character. And then when you start to find out all these things, somebody driving behind you, you're going to think to yourself, I hope you're enjoying how wide that car is from the rear because it's three <laughs> inches wider than a regular C4. You see that wide rear yeah, end? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let me, let me give you some tire dust. I'm going to leave you with a burnout now. I love it. This is good. You know, just it's not. It's not well. It's it's a little bit irresponsible. It's a little bit naughty. You can see I, irresponsible. Yeah, you, you can see irresponsible land, and you can drive it calmly. You can just enjoy it. It will handle surprisingly well, but then it's just like you want to let it rip. Ah, that thing is. I like it. You you've built that up, and you've done one car. I tackled this completely wow. differently. I'm excited to hear. Brian, I, I, I broke this down by by types, and here's what I mean. I looked at your list here. Again, under 50K, 
rear-wheel drive, manual transmission. Those are the three big headlines, okay? Those are good. But you want to – you need to – Enough horsepower to respect it tells me you just kind of want to know this may have more performance than I do. I went broader than just horsepower there, though. Okay, okay. Because I think there's cars that you can go, I'm not as good as this car is, but it's not that powerful. Okay, fair enough. So I went there. Rare or at least interesting enough to start a conversation. That took a lot of cars out. (laughs) Yes, it does. Because there's plenty of stuff you can just buy and be like, yeah, there's another one of those. Yeah. I mean, I I don't mean that to be tacky, but like, honestly, the 911's almost there. You'll talk to other Porsche guys. Most people are like, there's another 911. Yeah. Okay? We'll maintain its value over time. I've said it before, Brian. I'm saying it again. We're throwing it out. (laughs) It's a car. It's going to lose some value. It's not gonna, fair enough. I'm not getting you a money pit, but I just kind of ignore that one. But I'm I'm quite excited for you to look at these, and I broke it into three things. But I've got the top, the middle, and the low. Okay. The top is stuff that I don't know that you can do it for fifty. It might be fifty-five. It might be sixty. I didn't go nuts. It might be a little out of your reach, but it might be worth it. That's okay. the top level. The medium is bring the forties. Okay. Bring the forties. You might touch fifty, but probably the forties to get a nice one. The low is we're in the we're shopping in the thirties all day long. But is the bronze still just a little bit naughty? Well, no. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit these categories and all of these, okay. and then I do have one wild card, and it's a wild card because it's the only non-manual on my list. But I think it does everything else. Oh, great! This is exciting. So in the top category, three cars I can think of: conversation starters, great to drive. You would probably end up talking to people everywhere you go. They might hang on to. Two of the three are going to hang on to their value fairly well. BMW 1M. Yeah. If you can get one of those for fifty grand, it will hang on to its value. It <laughs> You're is doing fa- well. It is a fantastic yeah. car. It is a BMW, possibly my favorite ever BMW greatest hits car. It's way up there. Okay. They're awesome to drive. Great manuals. Still has hydraulic steering. Trust me, as a guy that now has a BMW without hydraulic steering, you want the hydraulic steering. Okay? <laughs> BMW 1M. The uh, first gen of the Spider. The Porsche Boxster, the 987 Porsche Boxster Spider. Those yeah. are around 55 to 60. 2011, year 2011, yes. 2012 is yes. what you're looking at? Yep. It's a special car, though. It it's is. It's a genuinely very it special is. car. And it isn't overly powerful, but it's not very heavy. It's also flashy enough for your neighbors to go, you bought what? Yes. And because it is that Spider, it makes it quirky and like, which which Porsche is that? Mm-hmm. It makes it just a little bit odd, <laughs> but it's not very heavy. It's, it's from one of the best eras of Porsche for six speeds. It, they're great. It really is. It is. And then the car that nobody has seen in the last few months until you rolled by is a Lotus Evora. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get a Lotus Evora for around 50 grand. You will not see another one. And that feels midlife crisis-y. I, that's that's every part of your life. Just just get an Evora. You would love that. That's my top three okay. from the top category. In the okay. medium category, again, I'm spending in the 40s here. Okay, fair. You know what you could do? You could buy yourself for that little nursery that needs a brand new fresh baby car in it. <laughs> buy yes. A, buy a brand new Miata MX-5 RF. Those Spec it your way. Okay. Actually, just go through and build yourself one. It'll be forty-five grand on the high side, but I think that's a car you may have for a while. I think that's a car your wife's going to love. Sure, I think that's a car that not only is it going to keep running, but it's brand new and it's look. It's not going to hold your its value, but who cares? I think that that styling, I bet you, in twenty years is going to still be looked back on as one of the best looking Miatas. It's going to be a timeless styling that's going to hang on. Okay, I think you're going to find yourself driving it all the time. Yeah, I agree. So that's the Rav Four is going to get. Just totally relegated. That's a car you just you or your wife are just gonna be like. I'm taking that. Let's just take that. We have that. Let's take that. Why? Why not? 
So that's a little more daily, and it's the only fully new car on my list. The other one in that middle category is kind of close to where you were, Paul, but I twisted it a bit. The C6 generation, but get the Z06 Corvette with the 7 liter. Yeah. Big block. That is a special car. Yeah. That is a that is a rare moment for that big big engine in that car. That is very very fun. You can get them all day long in the thirties. Because you know, Brian, I, I was thinking, you know, like some sort of sixties muscle car, things like that. But to your point about reliability and also just something more unique, and I want it to handle fairly mm-hmm. well, and I want it to be manual and all that stuff. I just thought. You know, it's got to roar, but it's got to be able to drive too. Mm-hmm. And you can jump in it for a cross country road trip. Totally. On my low category, these are cars that you could easily find in the 30s. Okay. A Boss 302 Mustang. Oh, That's a conversation that starter. Roars. That roars. And it's a conversation roars. starter. Yeah. The people that know what that is walk over because it's not just another Mustang. Now, to a lot of people, just to see a Mustang, who cares? But the people that know what that is are going to walk over and talk to the guy with the Boss 302. Brian, could you straight pipe it so your fillings rattle out of your head? You can get that almost orangey red. You can get that bright school bus yellow. They have that lime green as well. Get a color. Yeah. That car's angry and fun. So Boss 302, C5 Z06. Good, good. That's the car that only pe- the right people know about. Watch our American Original for us to talk about that. And then a little bit of a wild card in this, and then I'll go to my full wild card. Because they're just around. Okay. Not a conversation starter, but you'd like it. A Nissan 370Z. Cool. Spend 20 grand to get a nice one. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. got power. It's, it's refined. It is an excellent execution of a modern sports car. Don't buy a new one. Yeah, spend, yeah. Again, spend high teens, low 20s, get a very nice one and be happy. Make it, Now that's the one you tune and make yours. That could, that and could then work. my wild card, rare, probably isn't going to depreciate a ton. You're not going to see very many of them. It's going to feel like an occasion every time you drive it. Unfortunately, it doesn't come in a manual. Mm. Alpha 4C. Oh, that's uh, a flashy car. I think Brian might be perfect for the Alpha 4C. Unfortunately, it's not a manual, but I think you yeah. like that car. He might like it. He might drive it and think, yeah, this is, this is it. And you're just not going to see him. Interesting. Brian, got some homework, my friend. We can't wait to hear what you buy. So please write to us for your car conclusions. And, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm curious. But, yeah, $50,000 to spend on any of these? I'm very excited for somebody to actually buy a C4ZR1 and write Paul and go, you're right, this is awesome. Yes. That's one of the biggest surprises I've ever seen you accomplish in real time, Paul. Watch our American original film because – and there's obviously behind-the-scenes stuff that happens too that you guys weren't a part of. But we put that car in the film knowing only what it was on paper. Right. We're like, oh, this is, okay, it's an interesting. It's an offshoot. It's a Lotus-built engine. It's a unique engine. They didn't make very many. They're, they're not that expensive anymore. Let's put it in the film. And we both were like, wait a minute. Yeah. We started driving it. Yeah. It was very cool. Get a cheap one. They're 20. Get a nice one. They're 30. Yes. <sighs> One thing you can never have enough of is car stuff, and that's why we love Haggerty Drivers Club. Starting at $45 a year, you'll get six issues of their award-winning Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, chock full of interesting reads and beautiful photos. And you'll get access to members-only live streams on topics like car values, automotive history, and do-it-yourself tutorials. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts, including a deal of the week, which is always an incredible deal and lasts only a couple of days. If you love cars half as much as we do, this is the club for you. Learn more at Haggerty.com slash Everyday Driver. Adrian Holden has a question for both of us about my son. Oh. Do you see this on Instagram? He says, well, let me look. Assuming that my son's first car, because he's 10, so we're talking six years from now he's driving. 
Okay. I mean, you know, he wants to drive now. But anyway, six years from now, he's driving, gets his first car, assuming dad could afford to get him a first car. Moving on. <laughs> we could theoretically get him a car that would be brand new in 2020. Okay. Because it would be six or seven years old then. Okay, yeah. So what brand new being sold right now car Ooh. would I think would be perfect for my son in six years? What's my pick and what's your pick? I, I have a budget on here. We don't, but you know me. It's going to be reality. My, my pick on it, plus it's a first car for a teenager. Okay. First car. So first it needs car. to cost between 10 and 20 grand because it's going to be worth half that after the first okay. year. And based on our cheap car challenges, maybe I'll spend five. Who knows? But uh, we'll see. Um, I actually think it would be the 86. I was kind of thinking. Car being it. sold right now. Yeah. I, I am insisting he have a manual transmission car for his first car. Yeah. That is big for me. Yeah. I don't need him to be in something big. I need him to be in something that when he makes a move, the car responds. Indeed. I that's agree what that. I'm interested in. And that's why I would love the 86 for him. Just wondering, because when you get your first car, it's your it's your baby. It's your thing. Mm-hmm. Subsequent cars can be as well, but it's yeah. just, that's the car. And I, I want you to learn on something. I want you to be able to, I want him to be able to wrench on it a little bit and okay. maintain it and do mm-hmm. some stuff to it without it being too hard. And so I'm thinking... Something that screams, but ah, on the other hand, it can't have too much power. Like See, that's 2000. the thing. Power is, power is a problem. That, yeah. that might be a little bit too much. I, mm. And if it's a car that's being sold new now so that it can be new now used enough in six or seven years. Is there an even lower power version of the Supra? <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the 86. Da- so. Down from the two liters. The, 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 the new one liter turbo <laughs> Supra. Yes, yeah. we have the three, two, one uh, versions of the super. It's awesome. Yeah, mine's going to Mazda a little bit. Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe a Mazda Corolla three? XSE. Corolla XSE could Would work. Be another good one. I do like that. I do like that a lot, actually. That hatch in a, in a flashy color with a six speed. It'll run. There's room for people. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Yeah, that's not bad. The XSE is not bad. I like that. Jay Mukiyama on Facebook has a design question for me. How much consideration does the looking down perspective play in automotive design? Mm. Jay's office is right next to a luxury and supercar dealer in Chicago. He looked down at a C7 the other day. He says it looks kind of lame from above, even though he says it's pretty cool from all other angles. Mm. Most of us are going to be looking at cars from street level or your, yeah, your eye level, however tall you are. But he's wondering if this angle ever plays into design decision making. Mm. And the answer is yes. And the name for that view from straight down you're up above the car looking straight down on it is called the plan view. So mm. it's like looking at a blueprint or a, a plan of your house or your garden or whatever that is. So you're looking down at the plan view. The direct side view is called the elevation, how tall the car is. Mm, okay. Then right. front, rear, and three quarters, isometric versus perspective views. But that plan view is what you're talking about. And yes, designers do explore that because that's when you see how much tumble home the car has mm-hmm. from, from above mm-hmm. directly overhead and that's where you see hips you mm-hmm. see how far in that car flares yeah. you know the doors yeah, yeah. tuck in and it flares out a shelby cobra is a great example look at a shelby cobra from above you'll mm-hmm. see the hips you'll see the fender flares you know all that that's kind of good. stuff that's good yeah yeah but yes absolutely it does because a line that looks good from you know the money shot the front three quarter angle might not look too good from the plan view yeah yeah might yeah need to adjust that you might need to look at that differently so when you're modeling when designers are modeling the car in 3d so yeah they are spinning it around constantly they're evaluating they're looking at it from all angles and that's what the proliferation of cade and cad has done Mm, for design mm -hmm. and being able to visualize it from all angles and zoom in and really 
you know, see what, what that's like. Look at the new Maserati MC20. Look at that from above. Look at the, mm. you know, find a photo of that and you can see some interesting shapes. But for the most part, it fits in a rectangle. Cars have a yeah. front and a back. And, yeah, fair point. You know, how far your, your corners round off. But then that determines how much overhang you have. Mm-hmm. And that front three-quarter might not appear. The car doesn't appear to have much front overhang, but you look at it at a d- direct elevation side view, and you'll see, wow, that car is that, – that's a lot. Mm. Ferrari Enzo is a great example of this. A lot of front overhang. Yeah. But it yeah, looks yeah. proportionally correct to your eye. Interesting point. So yeah. look at that from overhead. I like that you're exploring this and looking down at cars from the tall office building and, and looking at this. And you can see the ones that have more attention paid to that. But then – by virtue of the people mover, the MPVs and the minivans mm-hmm. and the you know SUVs are going to be kind of blocky from for sure. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to look very interesting. Yeah, but okay, that's not a view we all see all the time. The Elise is crazy from plan view because it the is. rear hips are much wider than the rest of the car. It's got it does have that kind of Coke bottle and that's a cliche, but that Coke bottle mm-hmm. imp- uh, impression there in the in the waist going yeah. to the hips. It's very interesting in plan view. But yes, to answer your question, every view is scrutinized mm. by the design team before they release that, before they move on with something. KB on Instagram says, impromptu first challenge, which car was easier to wrench on? <laughs> I think it was yours. I think it was the Mercedes. Yeah. The the BMW had oddities. We were all were like, wait, what the, why did you, why is honestly the rear yeah. brake sensor, uh-huh. the rear brake sensor cable. Which thankfully PowerStop sends new sensors, which is awesome, and they're all they're perfect. Yeah, which was great. Yep. But the rear brake sensor, honestly, we had to remove plastic body panel pieces to get to the box that plugged in. Yeah, you go in through the wheel what well and on remove Earth that. are we doing? Those engineers in Munich, they wanted it in that connector part inside a nice sealed little box. Yes, they up did under the car. Also, okay. your uh, the brakes on the Mercedes had a lot of similarities to the way they do brakes on Porsches. So mm-hmm. I recognized a lot of it from doing stuff on the Cayenne. Stuttgart. You're right. Clearly, the, the BMW just had stuff where it was like, why did they? Okay, I guess we're doing it this way. So it yeah, was definitely harder. It's interesting to see the designs and, and actually wrench on it. It was pretty cool. Philippe Rodriguez on Instagram says, he's wondering about the Fiat Abart 124. We recommend the Miata a lot. What do we think of the Fiat Abart? That uh, episode is actually on uh, YouTube now as well. We have one where we have the... Uh, the Miata RF, the first time we drove that, versus the Fiat 124 versus the 86. We were talking about standard Miata alternatives in that episode. That was a cheap uh, car episode from a few seasons back. That's on YouTube. It's on Amazon. It's on Vimeo. You can watch that for further discussion. At the time we drove that RF, it did not yet have the updated Miata engine, which we prefer. And the big discussion you and I got into about the 124 versus the MX-5, and we felt differently, which is broken down in the episode, is that the 124 has a turbo motor. Right. And right. you far preferred it. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. I don't really like the 124 styling very much, but it is a great alternative styling to the Miata. Yeah. So if you yeah. like and I feel like it's one of those love it or hate it styling setups. If you like that styling and you gravitate toward it, there really isn't anything wrong with the 124. If you like that styling, it is the alt Miata. Inside it is a Miata with a Fiat badge in the middle of the steering wheel. It's it's the Miata inside, okay? <laughs> yeah, but it has yeah. a different heart, and that turbo motor gives a little bit different personality. I didn't connect with it as much as you did, Paul, but we both thought it was pretty cool. Turbo, baby. Color Cartel asks a question about a tool that we have a particular fondness for. He loves his Milwaukee Power Ratchet. It might be my favorite mechanic tool I've ever bought, he says. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I met the folks at Vera Tools. It's W-E-R-A. They're a German tool company. No surprise. 
we met them uh, when I went to the 2015 Goodwood Festival of Speed, and I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time in the BAC Mono Pavilion, the booth there. And I was hanging out there, and then the Veratool people were next door, and we wandered over there just, you know, hey, you're our neighbor. Let's, you've got some cool tools. <laughs> They're very, very nice. They're very nice. Todd makes that joke all the time. I do, yes. I, I've got a couple of sets of those, a really cool small socket and uh, ratchet set, and I just I really like them. At the time, they told us they made the smallest screwdriver for the bottom two screws of the iPhone that was being made at the time in 2015. Mm. That little, little tiny they made that for Apple to be able to get the screw out and to do service work on it. As and, thin as a human hair. Yeah. I don't it was, know. yeah. It was crazy. So, yeah, I like those tools. I kind of discovered them, and they're really cool. I like them. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Really appreciate it. We're off on a road trip. We're shooting more of these cheap car challenges. Yeah. And, and uh, some TV stuff as well. We've got a big a lot road trip this week. Yeah, Guys, thank you so much. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.